<laughs> yeah, let's start. Uh, okay. Hi, everywhere. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's a Sur PPI show. It's a first episode. Uh, we will talk about machine learning for web scraping with Emirhan. Emirhan works at Sur PPI. Uh, and could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm a software engineer at Sur PPI. Uh, I am a machine learning enthusiast and not a data scientist, not a machine learning engineer or anything like that, uh, but just an enthusiast. And uh, I happen to uh, work on some little projects containing uh, about machine learning for web scraping. And we will be talking about that today. Cool. Uh, so you, can you tell me why have you started trying applying machine learning for web scraping for like, and for like what, uh, what, what kind of goals have you achieved and uh, what do you want to do next and something like that? Uh, so first of all, I think we need to get into why the machine learning should be applied in today's standards, uh, which is machine learning is successful at many things, uh, but if you actually separate the areas that it is successful versus it isn't. Uh, it is obvious that machine learning is doing where the traditional methods are failing. Uh, bank fraud, for example, uh, is a great failure on the side of the banks. Um, and it's it cannot be contained with traditional methods because it, you literally cannot uh, observe every transaction and see if it's fraud uh, manually. It's impossible. So any kind of increase, uh, or, or in the bank fraud case, decrease in bank fraud is uh, extremely useful for banks. So they are applying machine learning in that uh, sense. In our case, uh, we had a really problematic parser. We had to uh, maintain every almost every two weeks and uh, it, it had enormous amounts of conditions because it was so dynamic and there was uh, nowhere for us to uh, link the data with uh, some kind of uh, some kind of hook so that we can understand oh, okay this is this data and this is that data it was extremely dynamic even for one language uh, and uh, it was hard for us to contain. The project I have worked on, which isn't implemented yet, it is still in reviews, but the project I implemented, before that it was giving, uh, every time we fixed, after one week it was giving 10% of the results correct, which was problematic for us. Like it was giving phones in some field uh, that it shouldn't, it was giving address in phones, it, it, Everything was everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and there was no way to contain it with the traditional methods. So what I did is that I have used uh, natural language processing, basic natural language processing to apply it into uh, that specific parser. And I have uh, created an ensemble learning mechanism by combining it with traditional uh, methods. 
uh, like Regex, which is mm -hmm. uh, really fast and it's really good to use Regex uh, in the data flow where it's going into the model, where it's going out of the model. You can catch too many, uh, you can replace too many errors with that. Uh, no, I mean, that was the intention that I was mm -hmm. going for. And uh, what is the current state of this project? Well, it's in reviews. I mean, I have uh, developed some kind of testing, which is testing uh, the probability of it being right. Like uh, it has some uh, data sets that it should follow and see how much of the results are true. And I think I have written a, written another one for live results also. I'm, I'm not sure that I can't remember. Uh, but here's another thing, like it's really hard to contain machine learning uh, models with unit tests as we do in traditional software engineering. Like we, there are places that we need to be 100% sure that we are doing the right thing and we need to test it thoroughly. In case of where the machine learning is used, it's not the case. Like we have to have a probabilistic model where we are testing if the model is uh, successful 90% of the time or successful 95% of the time within the trained data set and things like that. Makes sense. And uh, I have read, uh, like you have published some articles about testing mm -hmm. machine learning models. Uh, can you tell about that? Yes, uh, so it wasn't uh, quite about, I actually made a distinction there uh, to, so testing machine learning might mean many things. Uh, one of which is uh, minimum functionality tests, which is uh, seeing if the model is going to be useful for uh, the specific task, which is by creating little models and getting the accuracy values from them, you can uh, say, okay, if we scale this model up, it is going to uh, work for us for a big data set. This is one kind of testing. And there is uh, another kind of testing, which is uh, testing to see if the results are uh, giving the right answers in scale which is what I did with, uh, with uh, the current project. But there is also another uh, kind of test, which is just like a unit test, resembles a minimum functionality test, but it is uh, about uh, seeing if the model is being auto-trained uh, by unit tests. Like you give parameters and then see if these parameters are the valid parameters for this uh, specific model, which is what I have done in automatic images classifier generator. I know it has a long name. Uh -huh. uh, and it is test, it was testing, it was just like testing uh, parameters in traditional software engineering and uh, nothing actually complicated, if you think about that. So the article that I wrote was about the third kind, which is to test the 
endpoints to see if it's uh, triggering a training process. Uh, yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And uh, what to, what do you want to like do more with that? Like what what do you plan to do next in your articles or when? Uh, in the short run, there is a good answer to it, which is uh, what uh, our CEO Julian has uh, dreamed about, which is to create a scalable general classifier using subdata. Uh, the current project that I'm working on, which is uh, automatic images classifier generator, it is good for making tools. So it's it could be used as a tool, but it is also good for using tools. And its main purpose is to create tools because you can do uh, you can use customizable dictionaries to create uh, create databases on the fly, which are specified because SERP data is SERP data can be targeted. Like you can use the SERP data to get exactly what you want in the data set and in exact sizes, in exact formats, and things like that. So it really uh, reduces the weight that is. Uh, hindering the training process. So using SERP data to uh, create scalable models is actually a really good idea. And then uh, comes the and then comes the scalability part. This is where I have used customizable dictionaries to, uh, to, to test models to see if, for example, if a learning rate what a learning rate should learning rate is it learning rate yeah <laughs> uh, learning rate should be for a specific optimizer for example and uh, that these kinds of things could be utilized with uh, the automatic images classifier generator uh, you can find it on our github page by the way github slash api and from there, uh, we want to minimize it, which is currently what we are having towards with the articles, current articles. Uh, what we are having is a terminal tool, which could create uh, classifiers on the fly using SERP data. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can uh, hear you. I can see myself. That's <laughs> uh, So this is... This is the uh, aim of these articles, to create a command line tool that is so easy to use. Uh, like you can write cat, dog, and then give it an image and see whatever this is, uh, classify this. This is the uh, aim of the articles now. But on the long run, I have no idea what to do with these knowledge, to be honest with you. And what do you mean, like you have mentioned scalable, uh, what do you mean yes. here by scalable? By scalability, I mean, uh, there shouldn't be uh, a major difference between classify classifying, uh, doing a binary classification and a multiple classification. Uh, for example, if it's easier to see, say, if it is something, if something is a dog or a cat, but it's harder to say if it's a cat or a dog or a fox, for example. Uh, 
And uh, the reason is simple. Uh, if you think about it, there are characteristics of these three elements that are too similar for a machine learning model to uh, comprehend it. I'm using CNNs, for example, like it's uh, going through the details. For example, it has an ear that has this shape uh, and it's, so it's learning these. I know it sounds uh, like impossible, but it's actually a really simple uh, algebraic operation. It's, mm -hmm. it's not that taking the vectors and then uh, calculating the numbers. And uh, so by scalability, I mean this. I am uh, currently working on an ensemble model with, so there are too many terminology that is uh, that has popped up in the last 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard for me to classify it as something, but I'm going to guess and say it's hard voting because it's uh, using multiple CNN models in parallel and then uh, classifying it as the uh, majority vote. Uh, of these uh, classifiers. So it is an ensemble model that I know for sure, but mm -hmm. I don't know if it's hard voting or it should be classified as something else. But important thing is that we need to make it work. <laughs> uh, so if some, like, I try, I'm trying to imagine, uh, like, that terminal tool so mm -hmm. someone like how would it work like, so if, uh, if uh, you want something that you don't use too much uh you don't need a tool like this you can just use uh soap apis google reverse image api for example and then get your result from the uh, most common keys and that easy actually i can make a blog post about it uh but if you need to if you need something that cannot be recognized that easily, like for example, the blueberries and blackberries are really hard to classify even for human beings. Uh -huh. And uh, if you need it on an industrial scale, you definitely don't wanna pay uh, big amounts of money to, to some corporation and you want to create an in-house solution like if it's feasible to create an in-house solution and from there you can uh for example whatever you have in the production line in the factory for example you can get their images and then uh you not get their images like get their label names and then get the SERP data for it train a model it might not be quick if it's too big but in the end, the uh, after the training process, it'll be much more faster for you to uh, use in-house solution to to classify objects in real time. That's one uh, one of the use cases that I can think of. Mm -hmm. But uh, like speaking of uh, image classification, uh, will it be like will like the if we if you like com compare. Uh, that machine learning model like own and uh, like reverse image API from Google, Yandex mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, what is the reason uh, for using 
like for creating uh, a, or what is the reason for using the tool instead of okay, using so the... I can give you a really direct answer on that. Uh, many of the developing countries, for example, don't have uh, the financial gains to create uh, real good optical sensors and uh, they cannot afford many of the things. So it's feasible for them to use human labor to classify items while they're on the production line. So it is like it, this, these kinds of approaches in machine learning could cut down the human labor cost and uh, give some profit to the people. I don't know if it's an evil thing to say, but I mean, that's one of the use cases. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, you have mentioned SERP data several times. And by SERP data, do you mean uh, uh, like results from images? I Yes, I am specifically referring to uh, results from images. But uh, from what I can see, many of our, our customers are using SERP data in text to uh, use it for industrial purposes. Uh, Whether it be SEO or something else, something more specific. Uh, but your articles are targeting uh, images only. Uh, so my first articles were on text classification, mm -hmm. but it was for our own in-house solution for that specific parser. But uh, then I had a failed experiment with general testing purposes with uh, with JSON. Uh, now it is about images, right? Yeah, the last uh, series are about images. And what failures have you, like, what failures were with general testing? Uh, so the main failure for me was to think that it could be easier to write a Ruby, uh, write Ruby methods for it. So Ruby is a good language. It's an easy language. Uh, and I think it's the easiest language. Uh, and here's the problem though, Rails don't have that much gems for machine learning. It's mostly taken from C++ and their direct translations. And it's, it's not feasible to create something from scratch. I uh, thought about doing it for a specific case with a customizable can. And it's not actually a total failure. I mean, I've done some things, but I've made a mistake where I should have calculated the bias that comes from uh, a majority data set versus a minority data set uh, binary classification, which, which was my uh, mistake. And then I just quit and then went on to the next topic because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to uh, do everything from scratch. I can get back to it in the future, though, for general testing purposes. How have you, how had you gathered data for testing that testing? Uh, from our own endpoints. So I, the general aim was to create a uh, general. So the idea about uh, that was something more subtle. Uh, 
So we are testing right now. All tests are open sourced. Uh, you can see them at GitHub Soap API. And let me rephrase, some of our tests are open sourced. Uh, so we test if something is a string. We sometimes test if something has uh, this string, substring within it. But usually uh, the way we do the latter test is by having an error in the first place. Like if we have some residue of HTML within a string, that, it has, that is the description, and it shouldn't have it. It should be served to the customer that way. Uh, when you look for things like that, you most of the times you don't even realize it because the ecosystem is back and we do maintaining all the time. You get the response from the customer, but there is actually a way to create a classifier, uh, not even a class. I, I don't know if it should be considered a classifier, but there is a way you can get it with machine learning, like to check if it has high probability of containing HTML elements, the residue in a uh, in a key that shouldn't have HTML residues. So that was the, uh, the initial aim of it. I'm sorry, what was your question? I'm, I forget about it. I have asked it about how have you gathered the data for testing? Ah, yes, for the data, I used our own endpoints and uh, I used our own test files uh, that we use. So in these cases, you were testing basically the response schema. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering whether you like manually gather it data from endpoints or have you streamed it from production or staging? And, uh, uh, actually, it's the, the, we have too many tests to begin with. We are a test-driven company, so uh, we have a lot of tests that are already within the stack, uh, which could be utilized to do machine learning projects. It's, but uh, for example, for uh, the parser project that I mentioned, uh, which was the structuring the unstructured data, I had to use. Uh, I had to use our endpoints. Uh, like for example, the specific parser was uh, Google Local Pack, which is uh, the which is the kind of ads you see on top of Google uh, about places, and it has numbers on it, and it has uh, addresses on it. Uh, that was the specific case. There is a way to get uh, quite similar data from. Google local results. So I have used, for example, Google local results uh, to like our engine to uh, gather data to create a machine learning model for Google local pack. Because local pack is just uh, inline local images, sorry, inline local uh, results within Google's results when you Google something like the main Google page. So yes, I have used, um, I didn't even use, pro technically I have used production. I yeah. use uh, the development environment, but I have used our, our own service to create the data set for it as well. So it's a 360 uh, approach. And uh, uh, 
for these tests, uh, what tools have you used and why? And maybe uh, maybe we can like what do you think if we will uh, you, if you will share your screen and we will go through some of like of articles we are talking about and you can uh, explain what like more in detail like what do you think? Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, if the users aren't going to be bored, we can do that. Oh, uh, let me see. How do I share my screen on this one? It's the same there is, there is a button. <laughs> uh, Problems in the first episode. Yes, it's, it, I've, I found this. I found this. Um, let me close my camera though, because can you see my? Uh, yes. yes. I view. Uh huh. Can you see it? Right. Yes, I, I can see recursion. Yep. Yes, let's see. So the uh, we need to go back. So we can actually start from uh, the end result of that parser project. Let's try. Uh, this is not even the end result that we I actually improved this one so I gave a I gave a pointing system for the parser versus, what do you mean by pointing pointing system it's a pointing system that gives like if it gives correct passing it gets three points uh, to compare uh, the traditional parser versus the uh, machine learning hybrid parser if it gives uh, incorrect passing, it gets minus two points. If it gives, uh, if the correctly passed value appears at another key, which is confusing, uh, but it still did its job, it means plus one. Mm -hmm. uh, if there, if more than one element appear at unwanted key, uh, like the separations that you need to do, then it's also minus two. Uh, if a text within the part of the HTML is not scraped uh, in any of the keys, it'll be minus one. So if it's skipping something, it's also minus one. Uh, I think this is a fair system. And uh, if you look at the keys that we are, cons we are <clears throat> I have limited the keys that should be done with machine learning. So if you look at the rating, ours is not true. Mm -hmm. This is uh, this is the traditional parser, yes. I'm not surprised. So <clears throat> if you look at the rating, uh, it is true. But everything else is uh, in the keys that are being confused. But if you look at the mm -hmm. traditional parser, it gets everything, sorry, if you look at the machine learning hybrid parser, it gets everything right, which is really crucial to get our information. Uh, so if you look at the fields in this one, which is a search for dentist, it gives 4.8 score, uh, that is correct, but everything else is incorrect. And in this one, Everything is correct. 
everything is where it's supposed to be. It's just missing some things, which is, uh, by the way, if it's missing something, I don't give it minus two. The reason is simple because it's less confusing for the user to, uh, to not get a wrong key. So it's actually doing something half right, but uh, it's still wrong. Uh, so in I can go through examples, but some of these have really bad uh, scores for the traditional parser. And one thing I noticed is that uh, some of the things that are crucial for the users, for example, the phone number is a really, uh, oh, I shouldn't have sh shown the phone number of places there. I'm just skipping them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so phone number, address, uh, or the open hours is another uh, trending one. So these kinds of data are more important. And uh, luckily, they are gathered more easily. Um, I don't know why. I haven't made anything special for it. One other thing I have realized is that if you have more keys, you have more chance that you're going to have a successful uh, successful passing with machine learning model. But if you have less keys, it's uh, there might be some errors, uh, which is kind of good because we want the big data to be scraped more easily. Uh, in terms of in terms of efficiency, I need to do another uh, benchmarking, but this one was showing the uh, benchmarking. Yes, 1.68 times slower, which is acceptable because it's just only one part of the body. And uh, it is, it is uh, giving, uh, so it is giving uh, wrong results anyway. So 1.68 slower uh, passing time is not a big deal. Uh, but it is slower to do do it with machine learning. And, uh, mm -hmm. and in, yes. in absolute numbers, how much it is? Like seconds, milliseconds? Milliseconds, yeah. Not, mm -hmm. Nothing possible. I don't remember the uh, exact number, but uh, when we discussed it with our CEO, Julian, Mm -hmm. he he was satisfied with the number. I don't remember the exact number there. It, it is in milliseconds though, because traditional parser doesn't take uh, that much time to. Mm -hmm. We usually give, our uh, return rate is really good. Like re return time is really good. I can show it here, I think, from the API status. Oh yeah, so response time is uh, for ludicrous speeds, uh, three seconds in average. Oh, it's actually going down right now. So it's 2.04 seconds and for the ludicrous speed, it is 1.1 uh, seconds. So it's, it's not something that will disrupt the production for anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have taken a different, I have taken different paths for it and then found a way to uh, improve it. For the investigation of machine learning tests, it failed. 
Uh, so I don't actually see show that. So this one, which is uh, the automatic images classifier generator, <laughs> it is. Uh, so it is. I think I can show on this one. Yes. So. It is using Fast API, which is a framework on Python and uh, SERP API. And uh, and a couch-based server, which is for storing images. Um, but in the command line tool, I will separate them from uh, these requirements so that we have mm -hmm. a good uh, way to use it on every platform without any problem. Mm -hmm. uh, so to train a model, we, for example, you can use uh, for multiple queries. This is more interesting for in, in terms of SERP. You can use American Fox Owl, German Shepherd, and Caucasian Shepherd, and uh, get the desired chip's name, for example. Uh, what is a desired what is the desired chip's name? It comes from here. So you can actually uh, you can actually pick something to be uh, ex exactly dog and not the American Shepherd. Exactly to be, uh, you can say puppy, for example. Yeah, there is dog. Uh, so this is going to give you only the results for dog. Like it's not going to give you a shepherd that is American. Uh -huh. It's going to be only dogs and uh, maybe some human beings in the background, but uh -huh. the main team will always be dogs. And this is actually not a problem because this is a minimal noise still. Uh, and from there, you can create a classifier that classifies between American dog species, for example. So this is really uh, useful for uh, creating big data sets on the fly mm -hmm. with data. And uh, which is really good thing for me because I was looking for uh, databases before. Now I can create them on the fly, which is really good. Uh, for training a model, I have used an approach to wrap PyTorch uh, and and Pillow Library of Python, for example. And the Pillow Library is just a just a support library for uh, PyTorch transforms. There, uh, so transforms library is responsible for uh, shaping the data before before you put it into training. And uh, it is relatively easy to uh, create a customizable dictionary and then uh, use it to train. And I have uh, applied, although my com computer is not fast enough, you can do a, a sync training with it, which is uh, to do them without uh, Actually, you can explain it sync a sync process better than me, I think. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to explain? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. 
I mean, do you mean uh, async searches of SERP yes, API? versus the sync, so that uh, I don't make any mistake in my oh, Okay, so there is, uh, there is an async equals to parameter uh, that can be used for SERP API search endpoint. And this way, SERP API will not uh, immediately process the request, but return only search metadata and uh, it will be available for polling the response uh, and by search metadata i mean search id status uh, and json endpoint to pull the data usually the response uh, of the async search will be available within like five seconds may maybe ten seconds depends on uh, depends on the difficulty of uh, search keywords for example uh, when when we send uh, re requests to google like actually i haven't uh, expected the question so i <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh, when we send uh, some requests to google uh, that contain uh, multiple search operators like in URL, in text, uh, or and and or operators for Google, for example, uh, Google responds uh, a bit slower. And uh, if you want to send, uh, for example, 10,000 requests per second uh, without async equals true search, uh, it takes uh some effort to configure the server that is sending like the client but if we send async requests it's a simple view you send the request get the response with the endpoint to poll and then just try to get the results each second or something like that we don't have webhooks right now or websocket api or anything like that so right now it's it should be only polled polled if, it, if it's a word uh so yeah something like that so in the same way uh not exactly the same way but uh in the same way uh you can do training processes uh by polling them in uh, the automatic images classifier generator too, uh, you, which is really useful for parallel training. Uh, every training is uh, saved in an object in the database, uh, an attempt mm -hmm. object, training attempt object, and you can store the training uh, losses within that object and you can use the uh like you can store the parameters that you have used for this training attempt and you can also test it and then use the test to save the testing results within that same uh, object this way you can get a, a different like the metadata necessary to uh, maximize different approaches mm -hmm. Um, let's see, uh, I have also talked about its advantage in ensemble training. 
Oh, I can get into it really quick. So uh, because you have specialized data and, uh, and a way to test what is the best uh, what is the best way to do it to do a binary classification in this case with CNN you have uh, so for example if one of the classifiers binary classifiers is breaking you can up, update the, its database and then train it again to do uh, specific fixes to that part of the uh, model. Which is really useful to uh, control the control the failures and minimize them. Uh, this is, for example, this one is using images that are only five hundred to five hundred, which is another way to control noise because uh, usually you have uh, when you do kernel kernel processing, uh, it's it might be hard to calculate it, and uh, you may need some sophisticated, not really sophisticated, mm -hmm. but uh, on, on top of all the complexity, it adds more complexity. So you might need some kind of formula to uh, reduce the noise from different sized images. And for that, uh, to minimize that, you can use only images that are 500 to 500, for example, and then reduce them down to whichever pixel you want. Uh, the important thing is that you choose the shape of the images you want to train your classifier on. Yeah. Uh, things of this nature. So let's see. Uh, so for example, in this short run, it actually worked. Uh, it's it's doing a comparison between is it American high? I gave it a picture, an example picture, and it was checking if it's an American hairless terrier or an Alaskan Malamute, and checking if hairless terrier or an Eskimo dog, and Alaskan Malamute versus an Eskimo dog. And the prediction came out to be Alaskan Malamute because everywhere there was an Alaskan Mal Malamute, uh, the prediction showed Alaskan Malamute. And Two out of one prediction, uh, two out of three predictions were Alaskan Malamute. So this is obviously going to give a wrong result. But because you have these two, you always have the majority vote for the right prediction. Would it work in the long run? Uh, no, because I need to optimize the binary classifiers themselves too to uh, say that it will work for majority of the predictions that you will give an example of. Uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. Do we want to uh, wrap up for today or we can uh, make a break and continue, but I would like to wrap up for today and yeah. uh, pick some of your articles for the next episode and go through it or maybe even try some live coding like uh, but uh, if you have some uh, conclusion for what you have told right now please go uh, i don't really have a conclusion but I, I have a message don't believe on the power of machine learning that much 
it's a really specialized uh, tool, and it's a traditional method is always pre uh, preferable in today's standards. So don't fall for the hype. I would say that. And what do you mean by traditional methods? Like, for example, in our passes, I wouldn't exchange all of our passes with machine learning passes because uh, they are easy to maintain for once. And they are, it's easy to find an engineer who can work on a traditional uh, parser. Makes sense. Hmm. Um, okay. So then let's wrap up. Mm -hmm. Thank you so uh, much. Thank you too, Emirhan. Uh, so it was a first episode of the SERP API show. The topic was machine learning for web scraping with Emirhan. And via SERP API, we scrape data from Google, Yahoo, Yandex, Bing, Baidu, Walmart, and other search engines and provide an API for that. And uh, in the next episodes, we will probably uh, talk with Emirhan more about his machine learning researches and uh, challenges uh, for parsing. And see you next time. Yeah, see you.